Monica <laughs> in my life. Boom, boom, psh. Did you pop that open with your bare hand? Yep. Did you really? No, I did it with my teeth. Well, that's not good for you. <laughs> I would not advise it. Drinking out of my Flathead Lake Brewing Company. Montana Liquid Treasure. <laughs> big Fort. <laughs> As opposed I wish to the I Big was Y. Back. Do what? As opposed to the Big Y. Or whatever it was they call. Huh? <laughs> whatever. They don't call them forks in the road, they call them Y's in the road. Okay. Oh, down here. Yeah. I got what you're saying. All right. It's like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're referring to an off-mic conversation from three weeks ago. I got so? you. <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes were made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch with a badass haircut, Kristen motherfucking Bloom. I chopped it all off. Goddamn right. Looks beautiful. Thank you. Still getting used to it. It's a... Uh... Quite a bit shorter. It was like almost all the way down to my butt before I chopped it off. And <laughs> now it's like at my collarbone. She was like, because I told her how much I was going to cut off. She tried to talk me out of it because I was like, just don't go any shorter than the collarbone area. Because yeah. I was like, I don't want my hair above my shoulders. And she was like, you don't have to cut it that short. And I was like, no, it'll be fine. I was like, I need to change. And she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to do a dry cut first before we actually like wash it and cut it and make sure it's all even. What's she a dry cut? So, um. For the listeners, I've not been in a barber shop since I was 14. <laughs> I've, buzzed, I've buzzed my hair most of my life. So, uh, normally with women's haircuts anyway, they'll wash your hair and they'll mm. cut it while it's wet and kind of run a comb through it and make sure they're cutting it like evenly and stuff. Yeah. Uh, a dry cut, they just cut it while your hair is as is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walked in because I had taken my bath that morning before I went to get my hair cut. And I just, my hair was like still like wonky, like bedhead curled and I just yeah. yanked it up in a bun. And so I pull it down out of the bun and like, and I'm kind of telling her kind of what I want. And it's like just the frizzy bedhead mess of, <laughs> of hair because I knew she was going to wash it. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to save myself some time and go ahead and lop off part of it right now, like exactly how it is, because I was cutting so much off. Oh, so she didn't go to the exact length dry. She just cut close <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah, she literally yeah. was just like, we're going to gauge it, hack it. <laughs> it, just, it, was, it was like those things you see, and I, I don't mean to be insensitive, but it was like those things you see in like scalping, like old Western yeah. movies where they're like being racist against Native Americans, and they just have the hair ponytail and they're like ah yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it was like that she literally just had this giant clump of hair <laughs> i was like well can't go back from that you should have d- donated it to the locks of love no my hair i hadn't had a haircut in a year my hair would have it, they would have rejected the cancer kids would have rejected your hair my hair would have been pretty bad quality <laughs> i don't think cancer kids even want bad quality hair <laughs> like, most people that donate like maintain like Keeping the ends cleaned up and all that. I yeah. literally hadn't had a haircut of any kind for a year. I had so <laughs> many split ends. It was bad. Well, I like your new haircut. Thank you. Like I said, I'm getting used to it still. It's, mm-hmm. I've been wearing it straight because it's too short for me to really want to wear a curly. So it's like constantly in my face now. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm are good. You, I, think, I think I'm This good. whole time Kristen's been taking her headphones on and off and straightening her Because it's like falling in my face that's a problem sos god damn so what do you want to talk about the birds and the bees the birds and the bees i'm pregnant (laughs) my mom oh my god um 
Terrence, today's Mother's Day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm in a group chat with my family, and my oldest sister, uh, Taryn, when she's saying okay to things, like says KK, like she'll yeah. just put the letter K twice. Um, and my family also calls me KK because when my niece was a little girl, that's what she called me. So mm-hmm. she would call Taryn TT and me KK. So that's what my family calls me now. And Taryn kept telling my mom she had sent my mom an email for something and she was like, I don't get, or I don't have it. Are you sure you sent it to the right email address? And she was like, yeah, check again or I'll try again or whatever. And like when she initially told her she sent her something, she like checked with my mom to make sure the email address was right. And then she goes, KK sent you something. And she meant, oh, okay, <laughs> I sent you something. My mom read it as Kristen <laughs> sent you an email. Yeah. And so she kept being like, I don't get it. Like, I don't see anything. And it was like, I guess, a gift here and had like ordered or something. I don't know. So it was from like the company website, not mm-hmm. from anybody's email address. Um, and so my mom sent me like a private message and she was like, is it an ultrasound? Are you pregnant? And I was like, <laughs> what? And she was like. I thought Taryn was sending me an ultrasound or something because you're pregnant. I was like, why would Taryn be sending you an ultrasound if I was pregnant? I was like, that makes no sense. How underground do you think this movement is? (laughs) I was like, I was on the phone with you an hour yesterday. You don't think I would have brought it up? She was like, well, she said you sent me something. I was like, no, she said, okay, I sent you an email. So we're not pregnant? No. Okay. <laughs> there was like this whole roundabout I like, where I was yeah, like. I can't believe you're hitting me with this information yes. on the show. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. No, but there was this whole roundabout where I was very confused where I was like, why do you think Taryn's sending you my ultrasound? <laughs> and then she was like, well, she said KK sent an email. I was like, oh. Uh, no, she said, okay, I sent you an email. <laughs> so, yes. Brett's pregnant. Fuck yeah. All that to say. It's all going to come out of my pee hole. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I'm going to elephant trunk that baby. That sounds weird. Don't take that out of context. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, we don't have any like specific notes today, but mm-hmm. we were going to kind of talk about, I guess, what we've been up to this week. Kristen's turning me into a nerd. I don't know that I am. It doesn't, it doesn't really count if you don't really enjoy it, I don't think. <laughs> you can count that most nerds enjoy the the experience what movie did we watch uh we watched the first lord of the Rings, so we watched the fellowship of the ring hell yeah um i think thankfully for brad it was the theater release and not the extended (laughs) edition because i was like there's some stuff missing from this movie yeah and he was like it was shorter than i thought it'd be cut out a lot of stuff (laughs) to be fair compared to the books they did yeah no i believe it 100 percent. what i learned upon watching it was i've never seen this film i thought that i had fallen asleep in the theater to this lord of the rings movie turns out no whichever one i think you said it was the second one is probably the one that i fell asleep to so you went in with no context yeah because i remembered there being so much golem and there was no golem like there was was like one or two scenes that had the golem dude in it yeah he's in the second and third one quite a bit yeah yeah, the first one is just kind of introducing everyone which makes a lot more sense now why i fell asleep because there was so much like the whole first movie i'm guessing is just set up for the rest of them so you can see how big of a bitch frodo is and you know (laughs) samwise the first movie is setting up the scenario and all Mm -hmm. the characters yeah so 
I walked into the second one as a child with none of the context. And it's not like I wouldn't have been able to keep up with the characters. My favorite movie when I was like 13 was The Godfather. Me and my dad watched it all the time. I could follow all of those characters and all of those arcs. And I understand that the first movie is more or less setting the stage for but the second. you start midway through and you don't get the setup. Exactly. <laughs> you don't but yeah. have characters If we started post-Vito getting shot or like right when Michael came back and you tried to explain like Barzini and like all the other people, it would be a fucking issue. But yeah, this first movie uh, was very pretty. I can see why <laughs> why it would make somebody want to become a filmmaker because that's your relationship to the movie, right? Mm-hmm. This is the one that like inspired you. I, I feel like I can do this. It was kind of weird for me going back and watching it though because, um, and that's one thing we've talked about quite a few times on the podcast that um, at the time that it came out, it was pretty revolutionary as far as CGI work mm-hmm. goes. Um, and, oh. Not that there wasn't existing CGI before this, yeah, but what... there was a Scorpion King. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, did that come out before this? Probably. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope we didn't get Lord of the Rings and then and the then Scorpion. Scorpion King. Um, Which, but, in my head, I remembered it as being this badass creature, and then people started God, making fun so of bad. it like a year or two ago, and I went back yeah, and re-looked so at bad. it, and I was like, how the fuck did I imagine... I saw it right away when it came out, so I think when I saw it, it was a cu- out for a couple of years, yeah. and I remember even when I watched it going, mm, that's well, not that good. <laughs> at the same time, I didn't even know that it had anything to do with The Mummy. Like, I I, I thought it was an independent film, so, no. like, there were a lot of shit that I missed about Scorpion King. But when I talk in The Scorpion King, the CGI. You were like, I just want to see murder. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I just jerked off and waited for blood. Yep. Not much has changed. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, if you missed that, you're listening to us, you can't see us. I was motioning, jerking off. <laughs> in case you can't see I jerk off in pools audio. of blood Kristen ripped her cuticle earlier and I came all over my own pants <laughs> that wasn't even that much blood I know um, yeah so CGI uh, <laughs> so weird <laughs> the nightmare box does not endorse <laughs> elephant trunking little babies or jerking off in pools of blood yeah. but they're fun to think about <laughs> Never Box does not endorse Brett Bloom as a whole. I own company. <laughs> it does not endorse you. <laughs> no, um, the views was... and opinions of the CEO of this company. Two people. <laughs> <laughs> the CGI was what? Um, <laughs> so I haven't. Um, it's been. I mean, I've seen it as an adult for sure. When um, did it come out? I was probably. 14, 15, I think, whenever the first one came out. I wasn't, like, a little mm-hmm. kid, but I wasn't... So, like, the early 2000s? Or? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, I've seen it as an adult. I had seen it in my 20s. I probably haven't seen it since maybe my mid-20s-ish, yeah. so it's been quite a few years since the last time I saw it. Um, just because it's such a undertaking to watch them if you watch the extended version, because they are quite long. Yeah. Are you missing sound in one ear again? No. I, I shaved my head earlier. Yeah. No. You can feel things touching you. I can you. feel things touching me. <laughs> um, I also got a haircut. <laughs> Dry. <laughs> Fred has no, why didn't you donate your hair? You had so much of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we went back and watched it. And um, again, not that there wasn't existing CGI before this movie or that it's the end-all be-all for CGI, but mm-hmm. uh, What a Workshop, which is the company that... Um, was established like they invented what a workshop when they were making this movie because mm-hmm. they were trying to figure out Jackson's eating his bone <laughs> um how they were going to pull off some of these scenes and stuff and um kind of created the technology of uh motion tracking the way that it was done in this movie mm-hmm. um 
so that they could really bring Gollum into the film for the second and third movie. Yeah. And um, Gollum still for sure stands up. Like I, I, I know for sure I've mm-hmm. like seen clips of Gollum and been like, that's still incredible because that's <laughs> literally a man in a green suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no part of that is a costume. That's a hundred percent CGI. Um, and they crushed that, but then there's some other stuff where you can tell maybe they didn't spend quite as much time on it. Yeah. And like having watched it, like now, giant, giant troll dude looks like he stepped out of a Resident well, Evil game. Like, the giant troll isn't bad per se. It just looks weirdly like a baby almost, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's intentional or not. Um, but no, there's like scenes where like some of the characters are like jumping around or jumping on objects, and it's like you can tell that was CGI, mm-hmm. and it doesn't look that great. Yeah. So that was kind of new for me because, like, I knew there were like some scenes, especially with Legolas's character in particular, where they kind of have him do some absurd stuff that you can tell is CGI. Mm-hmm. But I didn't remember like feeling like it was so cringy. <laughs> and like this go around, I was like, mm, I did not look that good. Yeah, like where he like r- jumps up the ropes like it's Prince of Persia or some shit. And he, he does that quite a bit more. <laughs> um, they try to up the action in the next two movies because mm-hmm. there's a lot more like war scenes and like big scale fighting scenes. So. Uh, yeah, the stuff he does gets a bit more absurd. There's, like, I think one scene where he climbs a rope to get onto an elephant or, like, hops up onto an elephant or something like that, and it's real absurd. (laughs) Well, what I did like was the forced perspective, which I didn't realize was going to be a thing. I forgot that the hobbits were supposed to be smaller people. Yeah, they're very small. Yeah, I remembered the hairy feet, and I remembered that they were kind of small, but I didn't realize how small they were supposed to be in comparison to the real world. And so they do a lot of stuff with forced perspective, especially there at the beginning, where, like, how are we going to play The Hobbit? And it just looks like normal-sized dude until Gandalf comes up on his fucking mm-hmm. wagon, and Gandalf looks fucking massive. Yeah, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, you're in the Hobbit village, and the yeah. only people you see are the hobbits. Um, so everybody looks normal-sized, and I'm sure they didn't try to make them look small in those scenes because you didn't need to. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you start introducing... <laughs> It's a pint. <laughs> when they go to the prancing pony yeah. and all that, and everybody's huge. And you realize that the glass that I'm currently holding in my hand is like half the size of their body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I have a, a lot of respect for how much work would have gone into that. Because, yeah. Um, I would make the hobbits um, approximately that tall. Well, and. That doesn't do anything for you guys, but like a foot, maybe just a hair over. So, um. <laughs> Uh, Tolkien didn't invent hobbits like these mythical creatures existed already and I think standard definition for hobbit size is only two or three feet tall they're very small people I didn't Uh, know that the hobbit existed before Tolkien mm -hmm. yeah uh, there are a lot of uh, mythical creatures that are actually based on real things I think he invented the elvish language that's in um, the book and the film Mm -hmm. but elves themselves existed already in folklore Um, but yeah, I think, I think standard exception for Hobbit height is no taller than three feet, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. I think it's two to three feet, so they're very small people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting to see how they pulled that off, because I feel like even now, um, watching the movie, knowing how they did it, like, you can kind of tell at some points that they're trying to force perspective, because they have yeah. Gandalf much closer to the camera, and then the Hobbit will be, like, further down the table. Well, I thought the best version of it was, um... What's the the initial hobbit's name? Frodo. Oh, Bilbo. Bilbo. When uh, Gandalf and Bilbo are in Bilbo's house, I thought that was the best 
And he's way. so big. Yeah, because they they look like they're sitting directly across from each other at this little table, and he's bigger than the whole, and like he's having to like go through and bumps his head on the fucking light shaft and all that shit. I thought that was the best version of the Force perspective for it. I think that's cool how seamless they made that look, too, because I know um, from watching the special features, the scenes where they're not in scenes together, mm-hmm. they shot it twice, so um, Bilbo's in a smaller version of the house and Gandalf's in a larger set. Yeah. And then I know when the two of them are sitting at the table, uh, I think the way the table is built is not one seamless table, if I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. Like, his table is actually larger with bigger props, and then Gandalf's table has smaller props and stuff like that. And Gandalf's sitting closer to the camera, and Bilbo's further back, and then they had to shift over. So it looks so like it the looks table like, is all one table. Yeah, and it looks like That's they're sitting across nutty. from each other. <laughs> if I'm remembering right, I think the table's not one table. I could mm-hmm. be wrong about that, but I know they're not actually sitting across from each other, and they shifted the camera over to fake it. That is wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think whenever him and Frodo are in the wagon together... Um, the character, or the actor that plays Gandalf is sitting like propped up on boxes and stuff to mm-hmm. make himself seem a lot taller. So it was like small little stuff like that. And then when you can't see Frodo's face, like whenever Frodo's just standing on the hill and he like mm-hmm. hops into the wagon, that's actually a little, a little person. person. Yeah. So they use stunt doubles when you can't see their faces and you can fake it. I love tricks like that. Like the, the practical effects side of things has always been my favorite because it's like a magic trick. You know, you can you can do certain things with CGI, but I think if you can avoid it, avoid it at all costs, do it practically because it, it fucks with the brain, you know, where you don't have to deal with the uncanny valley at all. Of like, I know that's not really an arrow, for example, you know, like if you can use an actual arrow, use the actual arrow. It's pretty fucking slick. (laughs) I don't know why this just made me think of this. Um, We have to buy the special edition version, even if you never watch it with me, (laughs) just Mm. because I like it. But there's a, um, I think in like the special features when they're talking about like making the stuff and how they did it and stuff like that, there's a scene where, you know how they're in the boats, like rowing um, down the river. Yeah. 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 Um, when Frodo's in the boat rowing away from all his friends while they fucking die, that bitch made fucking fruitcake. No, when they're all, they're all in the boats together <laughs> rowing. Um, there, there's a bit in the special features where... Um, we'll get to my disdain for dildo baggins. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit in the special features where um, the actor that plays Aragorn, I think his name is Vigo, mm-hmm. um, is talking about... In the boats, like, rowing, and they're already out in the water, and for one of the scenes, they had Frodo stunt double, who's a little person, like, Mm -hmm. in the back, just to get the perspective from behind them as they're rowing away, so it looks like the little hobbits are in the boat with the bigger people. Um, And he's like, they're, like, filming and rowing, and he, like, all of a sudden hears, like, someone's voice behind him, and he's like, Vigo, Vigo, and he's like, what? Like, trying to not (laughs) move his mouth, because they're already filming, and he's like, I can't swim and he's like what and he's like if the boat flips save yourself that was the little person that said that he's like I can't swim god damn yeah there's a lot of fun stuff in the special features version but yeah um, I will be watching there's three of them right I will be watching all three of them um partially against my own will but i think that they're important (laughs) films and i need to watch them you're making me into a nerd what's your overall thought it looked really pretty (laughs) 
No, but seriously. <laughs> I'm excited to see what... Well, one major takeaway I need to say before we dive into that is, holy fuck, did J.K. Rowling just steal this fucking storyline to create Harry Potter? Like we, kept, <laughs> we were watching it, we were like, I think they stole some shit from Harry Potter, and then it hits you, you're like, no, 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 she stole everything from Tolkien. <laughs> Yeah, we were watching because that was when I realized. It's like there's a giant troll. There's like some like snake looking shit. There's like a small gang of mythical people. <laughs> a snake? Is there? Not a snake, but the troll thing yeah, lined up with the snake from the Harry Potter. Deal. No, there's an actual troll in Harry Potter oh. as well. There's a troll in the dungeon. <laughs> we were calling out all kinds of shit. We we're like, they, they they just did Harry Potter. Like, they, <laughs> well, Harry Potter just did this. Well, I didn't. I've never thought about it before until we got to the scene where um, they're leaving, uh, I think it's Lothlorien. Yeah, and the sorting hats there. No. No. (laughs) Um, They're leaving Lothlorien, and we get to the scene where Galadriel has gifted Frodo the light of... I'm not even going to try to remember what the light's called. Yeah. Um, but it's their their star or whatever. And that's when I realized also we were definitely watching the theatrical release. Because I was like, wait a second. They show what she gifted everyone. I was like, where's the rest of it? Because in the version we watched, it only shows what she gifts Frodo. Because yeah. Frodo's gift ends up being the most important. Um, but we were watching that. And I was like, this is strikingly similar to when... Spoiler alert for Harry Potter. <laughs> Dumbledore dies, and he gifts uh, Harry, uh, Hermione, and Ron gifts, and he specifically gifts Ron a gift that's light-related, like Mm -hmm. he can create light with it. And I was like, that's damn near the same (laughs) gift. (laughs) J.K. Rowling, you hack. And I think, well, I guess ultimately Harry's gift ends up being the most important. Let me guess, you're probably also English, (laughs) and you probably have a whole book series about these shit. (laughs) (laughs) i guess ultimately harry's gift ends up being the most important but i feel like ron's gift shows up the most i was like that's legit like she just stole the gift that was given to frodo um but my overall take of the first film boring (laughs) it's not boring i mean you seemed bored it definitely had its moments um where it was really boring (laughs) um uh it's the video game factor is uh, my my biggest problem with it. Once it's a quest series, they're on a quest. Yeah, but once they get like into the fucking the mine and they get in the big fight, and then like it starts to like pick up steam. But for like half an hour before that happens, they're like, maybe we'll try going west. Ah, oh, damn, we can't go west. Let's try to go east. Ah, I can't go east. <laughs> Let's try to go up that mountain. And then for each of these, you have to watch them try and fail to get up these various things. And then they're like, under no circumstances are we going into the troll mine thing. And then they get stuck on the mountain again. And I was like, fuck it, we're going through the troll mine thing. So we could have just gone through the troll mine thing. Well, Gandalf knows that there's a a demon in the mine. Like, Gandalf knows the demon's there. Why would Frodo pick it if the demons are there? Frodo's a bitch. Gandalf didn't tell them. (laughs) Um... Why didn't Gandalf tell him, hey, yo, the reason why we're not going through the mines is this whole fucking thing with demons. Why don't we try to go up this mountain some more? (laughs) Maybe we'll sit here, hang out, wait for spring, wait for some of the snow to melt, take the long way around instead of trying to go over the peak. Gandalf is terrible at land nav. You would hate the books. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because 
Like it's pages upon pages of descriptions. Well, I saw a meme, and I don't know like. if yeah, I don't know what the oh, I've tried to read The Hobbit and it made it. The like, Hobbit's actually a lot easier of a read. Made it like thirty pages, and I was like, <laughs> I don't care about the color green and how it relates to the fucking you know. But I saw a meme the other day. You know how when you talk about something, it pops up on your Facebook feed all of a sudden. And one of the memes that popped up uh, related to the Lord of the Rings was that it started off as like a children's bedtime story that Tolkien was telling his son. And his son was more or less like, you said the door was red last time. Now it's a green door. And so he started writing down in all these minute details the story that he was just trying to like flub up for his son as a nighttime story. And at the bottom of this, uh, it was like a picture from a book. It was telling the story, and at the very bottom of it, it says, oh, damn the boy. <laughs> and it was like the, one of those Tumblr things where it's got the little white comments. Mm-hmm. And it said something to the effect of, like, when your child annoys you so much, you accidentally revolutionize a whole genre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a group of beings that are really prevalent in the book. They show up in the movie, but they're not in a huge... Have you read all the books? I've read uh, the three Lord of the Rings books. I've I've read part of The Hobbit, but I waited so long to read it. And at that point, I'd already seen The Hobbit movie Mm -hmm. where it just wasn't like I read the books before the movies ever came out. So back then it was like a whole new story. and It was really fascinating. And by the time I finally got to The Hobbit, I'd already seen the books and kind of seen the movies and developed that like love of the cinema factor of it mm-hmm. so I, I think i was a little underwhelmed by the hobbit book myself yeah um but there's a in the lord of the rings series there's a group of ings ings group of beings called ints and they're um, mm-hmm. literal living trees that can get up and walk around had that in harry potter too didn't they didn't they have trees that did weird shit i don't think the trees are alive but the forest is like kind of a sketchy place to be yeah that's where the big bearded guy is. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't um, know much about Harry Potter either. We're going to have to get into <laughs> But they're in the movie, so you will see them. But they're much more prevalent in the book. And I kind of wonder if he's poking fun of himself a bit. Because um, his writing does kind of drag out. Mm-hmm. And he explains stuff very in-depth. And the tree ints are kind of a commentary on how we treat Mother Nature. And the scene in the first movie where... Uh, Soraman is tearing down the forest to build yeah. his army. Um, the tree ants get so angry that um, they go to war with him and fight him. The trees? Yeah. Start um, and they're pretty him. cool. They're huge, like really powerful beings. Okay. <laughs> but, um, and they look cool in the movie too. They did a good job on it. But they're really, because, you know, trees are old, like they're really old, a- ancient beings. So they move kind of slow and they talk kind of slow. And there's yeah. like a whole section in the book. Um, or they're having, like, a council because they're trying to decide if it's worth it to go to war or not. Like, mm-hmm. they're trying to decide how angry they are about the trees <laughs> being burned down. And, like, it lasts a couple of days and they're just dragging this conversation out. And everybody else is like, can we, like, get a move on? Like, he's out here destroying shit. Are you going to yeah. help us fight or I've not? I've got to get this ring into that volcano, <laughs> okay? Can we quit fucking around? Yeah, so there's, like, a whole section where they're mad about how long the tree ants are taking to, like, get shit done. And I'm like... Part of me wonders if that's him poking fun of himself for yeah. being so wordy. No, my dad loved him, and he had, like, the whole collection. I think it, it was five books, right? Because I think one of them is part one, part two. But so, I might be off. there's three books to the Lord of the Rings series. There's The Hobbit, and then there's a book called The Similarian. It's not the same characters. I think it's in the same world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not about the same people. 
Okay. Yeah, Dad had, like, these old paperbacks that he got when he was in high school in, like, the 70s or some shit. So, like, the pages were all really yellow. And he had read them and he loved them. Huge Tolkien fan. I don't like him, but my dad basically beat me into becoming a writer. Nothing. That's a joke. <laughs> um, but I remember trying to read The Hobbit when I was younger, and I've forgotten why I started this point. You hated it? <laughs> I mean, there was that. You know, I, did, I did hate it. I forgot what it was. Um, all that to say, I never read the whole series, but you've read the whole series short of The Hobbit. Yeah, so, I've never read The Similarian either, but again, I don't... I'm. I'm 100% sure it's not about the same people, but I think it does exist in the same world. I think it's technically a prequel, but it's not about what's happening in The Lord of the Rings. It's like The Mandalorian to Star Wars. I think kind of. I've I've never never read it. (laughs) (laughs) I've never read it, so I don't really want to, like, speculate what it's about, but that's what I've heard, that it's kind of a prequel, but it's not about, like, the situation or these people. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. That, Perfect. You don't know if it's a prequel. I didn't realize that The Hobbit was separate from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. In that, when we meet... Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> when we meet Bilbo, um, he's got this history that is The Hobbit. So, like, The Hobbit tells of his story, and then Frodo is the Lord of the Rings dude. So, like, that was another thing that I'd missed, you know, because I'd never made it through the fucking book. I had just assumed that... The Hobbit was the beginning of this lead up to get the ring into the volcano instead of a this happened many, many, many years ago. And then the ring came back. The Hobbit's actually not about the ring at all. Bilbo doesn't get the ring until the very end of The Hobbit. The Hmm. Hobbit's actually about something completely different. Um, What's The Hobbit about? (laughs) I only made it 30 pages in. And in page 30, we were still describing the inside of this dude's fucking house. And I was like, are we going to leave this fucking house? I'm 60 pages into my Ram Dass book I'm reading. We've gone through his entire childhood. He's about to start taking psilocybin. He's 30 years old. Come on, J.R.R. Tolkien. Get your fucking shit together. I read Stephen King. Stephen King does the same shit. You might spend the first 30 pages inside the same goddamn house just describing the lace on the walls. What the fuck are you doing? Move forward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is why I stand by my argument. Nothing good was written before 1976, and I can only name five things that were written before 1976 that I would created, read a seventh time. It created, I feel like, a revolution in the genre, though. He did. Um, it's just the worst genre. <laughs> I like fantasy stuff. Um, Me too. I'm, I'm a horror fan. It's all fantasy. <laughs> Freddy Krueger doesn't really exist. I like nerdy fantasy stuff. Um, yeah, I think in The Hobbit he gets the ring. Um, it's definitely not until at least halfway through the movie. I think it's closer to the end, though. But um, the dwarfs are the main species in The Hobbit. and um, Are those the little gladiator yeah. sword dude? Yeah, Gimli with his little yeah, axe. Yeah, that guy. Um, the dwarves have basically been run out of their big main kingdom. They're multiple areas throughout mm-hmm. um i don't even know middle earth yeah middle earth i was like why am i blanking on what the I'm land over is called? here i'm over here crushing <laughs> it with the knowledge and i've only even seen the second film so i think the hobbits predominantly live in the shire i think the hobbits mm-hmm. kind of just live in the one area but there are multiple elven kingdoms um, there's at least two human kingdoms for sure there's uh, rohan and gondor um, and then there's little 
different mines where the dwarves live, but there's like, I think for most of them, kind of a major kingdom, like Gondor's the major human kingdom, and I think Rivendell mm-hmm. is supposed to be the major elf kingdom, but anyway, um, the major dwarf kingdom has uh, basically been stolen yeah. by a dragon because dwarfs are naturally really greedy, and so they have this huge elaborate underground mine where they were basically just hoarding all this gold they had like an obscene amount of gold Mm -hmm. and dragons are also greedy and really (laughs) like gold um so the dragon came and stole their kingdom and ran them out and um for centuries they haven't um, had gold had their kingdom yeah well it's the leprechaun (laughs) well it's more of a pride it's more of a pride thing like they were run out of their home and so You know, your son, son, son is like, I'm going to avenge my great, great, great grandfather and go get my kingdom back. Um, That would have been helpful to know going into the mine, you know, in the film that we watched. It's like, I didn't, why didn't they just fucking release the Hobbit first? You know that it's integral to the story. (laughs) Well, that mine's a different kingdom. That's not the same kingdom. I know, but I would have understood this dude's rage as to like, they slaughtered all of his fucking cult or whatever, you know? Um... So, in The Hobbit, uh, Gandalf basically convinces Bilbo because he's smaller of stature and Mm -hmm. easier um, for him to sneak around than a dwarf would be. He convinces him to go with the dwarfs to reclaim their kingdom because they need a quote-unquote thief. And Bilbo keeps the whole time. He's like, I'm not a thief! Why are you calling me a thief? And they're like, yeah, but you're small and sneaky. Um, And so his job is basically... Get out of here, tiny Jew! (laughs) His job is basically to help them steal back, I think, like, an object that's in... I can't even remember what it is, but there's, like, an object in the dragon's lair that they need to help fight off the dragon or something like that. And... um, yeah, like the whole journey is the dwarfs trying to get their kingdom back. Yeah. And um, there's a village, like, within relative distance of the mine where the dragon's at. And the dragon's been, like, in slumber for, like, all these years. And it's like, just don't go into the mine and wake the dragon yeah. up and we're all good. And don't the dwarfs, piss off Voldemort. Yeah. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, am I nailing this? Am I, am I, am so I in close. the same range? So close. I guess technically there is a giant snake. That's, that's it's a, a, it's that's what wings. I keep saying. <laughs> it's, it's a giant snake with wings. Um, but they go and they wake up the dragon and the dragon, of course, then proceeds to try to burn down the town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, a journey of the dwarfs trying to reclaim their kingdom. And then... Towards the end, Bilbo finds the ring, but the like ring Like in the treasures? Uh, he he is in a cave. I can't remember how he gets into the cave. I think is him it Gollum's and, cave? It is Gollum's cave. Um, I think him and the head dwarf, like, butt heads, and he gets kind of separated from them for a bit. And while he's by himself, he finds Gollum, and Gollum gives him uh, three riddles that he has to answer. Yeah. And if he can get the... One of them, what is your favorite color? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If he can get the riddles right, then he gets the object that Gollum has, and he gets the riddles right, so he gets Gollum's ring. Um, Fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not how we got the ring in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you have for me? Is it the ring fell off a of golem's finger and rolled down the mountain no, and he, he found it many, many years later? He actually meets Gollum. I think then maybe that it gets dropped and there's like a struggle. I don't remember exactly what but I know he like actually meets Gollum and mm. Gollum makes him answer three riddles before I'll show him what he's got. And um Why doesn't Gollum just come into town and fuck up Bilbo? The Bagginses seem like bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know if he can't really, like, stand the sunlight or what his deal is. Well, he doesn't really have, like, a desire with the ring, right? Like, he just loves he just the wants ring. He yeah. just wants to be with it. It's the only thing that he wants in the world. Like, he's not using it for good or evil. He just wants to be in possession of it. Yeah. Which is kind of the point of the hobbits, and that's why they're the ones who <coughs> carry the ring versus any other species, because every other species has um, motivations. Yeah. Where well, the hobbits just want to be left alone in the Shire so they can eat and drink. Yeah, and Bilbo just wanted to live forever. Right? Like, that's, like, his only thing? No, I think, um, I think it's just one of those things where it's got, like, its own call, like, kind of a siren song. It, it wants to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, so once you get it, you feel like you can't let go of it. And even by the end of the third movie, Frodo starts to change, and mm-hmm. Frodo starts to become obsessed with it. Um, but yeah, it's just a, Is there a, a metaphor point... on obsession. Yeah. Is there a point where Frodo stops being a bitch? Not really, no. <laughs> like, no. Frodo's kind of the worst. Like, is there character. like a sweet spot in like this like crack metaphor that's happening with the ring, where Frodo's <laughs> actually like on top of shit, like when your buddy no. you know, first starts doing Adderall as opposed Frodo's. to five years later. Which is kind of a bummer because Elijah Wood, the actor, is a pretty decent actor, mm-hmm. but yeah, the character of Frodo in the movies, at least, I can't remember if he was so whiny in the books, but in the movies, the character of Frodo is just kind of, yeah, universally the most useless character. <laughs> like, even Pippin, the, like, idiot hobbit, ends yeah. up being more useful. <laughs> yeah, Samwise is a G. He just runs up and starts fucking shit up, even though he's definitely not in a position to fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true throughout the entire thing, because him and Frodo um, are alone on their journey pretty yeah. much the entire rest of the time, and Sam does all the work. <laughs> But no, I, I I didn't dislike it. It did feel a little video gamey. But as you said, it's a quest thing, and I don't like quest things normally. Um, There's a lot more fighting in the next two. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> but I'm 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 not necessarily ever blown away by that either. When it's with like swords and shit, like I live in an era of machine guns. Like <laughs> to me, those are much more violent. You but know? There's elephants. You can fight an elephant. There's <laughs> elephants. Later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch them because now I know what's going on. Like, I have, like, an idea, and I'll be curious to see if I fall asleep to the same movie I fell asleep to 15 years ago. Like, that'll be fucking, that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, you seemed bored. I was like, I feel like we should probably tap. No, there were times that I, I, that I did enjoy it, you know, but <laughs> for the most part. There was five seconds here and there. Well, it's it's not my, my genre. Like, I, I don't watch Game of Thrones. That's never been, you know, remotely appealing to me. The last thing I enjoyed that had swords in it was Braveheart. <laughs> Question for you. I like historical stuff that has swords in it. If you had to choose between the two, would you rather watch this type of fantasy movie or a rom-com? Depends on the rom-com. A generic cheesy rom-com. Uh, this kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> if it's going to follow the exact formula and it's not going to make me laugh. like I would watch an Adam Sandler rom-com over this. You know? <laughs> He's yeah, had just a, few a generic of them. formula rom-com. Mm-hmm. Mr. Deeds, I would rather watch. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I almost made you watch Warrior at the Cabin 17 again, and that's why you kept saying you thought Analyze This was a rom-com. I thought Analyze This was a rom-com. I still don't quite know what I still don't know what Analyze This is about, but we did watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail the other day. How fucking well does that hold up? <laughs> it's still a good movie. I've seen that one several times. That is a good movie. I forgot the, about... The, I can never remember the quote, but the watery tart bit's my favorite. <laughs> 
Yeah, we watched that the other day. What other stuff did we want to get into? Uh, your Ram Dass book. Oh, we yeah. We watched the Buddha movie. We did watch the, the show. We're watching some sort of a documentary. We watched uh, Ram Dass's mini doc that's up on Netflix right now. I can't remember the name of. That was sad. I mean, yeah, sad. but it's it's Rom, and that's how we talk to each other. That's Rom. We're close like that, <laughs> even though yeah. he's dead. We're friends like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, in the Netflix thing, he's you know well in his nineties. He's had his stroke fucking forever ago, and he's just hanging out in Maui, and he's talking about death and the experience of dying and how because his stroke has happened it's pulled him more into himself to be even more introspective and you know i loved the line from it where he was like i am um i am loving existence you know and that has become his mantra that breaks into like three different sentences if you say it enough times you know how you can just say a word like you know, rum, 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 and then rum loses its meaning in your head as you say it. He has this, I am loving awareness, mm-hmm. is the, the phrase. So it's like, I am loving awareness, like I am the person that loves awareness, or I am loving awareness. Like, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> has this, like, double meaning, and he has this mantra that he plays through his head the whole time as he's pre- prepping for his own death, and that was pretty fucking wild to watch. But... I bought a book um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I tried to read a book that shan't be named because I don't want to shit on it because I know people like it. I tried to read that. I made it 60 pages and I said, fuck that. (laughs) About writing type of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I picked up my Ram Dass book that I was supposed to read while we were um, over at Flathead. We read the intro? We did by Anne Lamott, one of my favorites. And... um, it's been an easier read. <laughs> it's a much easier read. I read in like three settings more than I read in like two weeks of trying to read the other thing. But I'm I'm happy with it. What do you think of the the Buddha documentary thing? I mean, I didn't really know. We're kind of all over the place. I know I just hit like three different mediums. <laughs> You're like, and that's enough of Ram Dass. Nobody cares. <laughs> well, like I, <laughs> You're still early in the book, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll happily talk about the book, but as it pertains to the Buddha conversation. Um, yeah, we just went Lord of the Rings to religion. Go fuck yourself. Well, I think Lord of the Rings is a very metaphorical movie, mm-hmm. so it, it holds. Um, but I didn't know much about the legend of Buddha. I don't know that we can really for sure say all of this stuff is facts. I think a lot of it's um, written word that was passed on mm-hmm. by spoken word about him. Yeah, there's so a legend about Ramdas's guru. That um, he once got kicked off of a train, and then the train stopped running. And then when he got back on the train, the train started running. You know, <laughs> like you have to take did that happen, or is that like a legend from rural India? <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of uh, by word legends mm-hmm. about Buddha that okay. were then later written down. Jesus so. probably never turned actual water into actual. Well, there water. was a a section in there, and I can't even remember what they said. Oh yeah, they were talking about people like like rushing to wash Buddha's feet or something like that. And I was like, that's very, very mm-hmm. biblical. So <laughs> like on some of them, you're like, I mean, that probably was a thing people did back then, but also is that true? Rest um, assured, Buddhism's older. So. <laughs> <laughs> if it right. got stolen, it's like Buddha is the J.R. Tolkien of this conversation <laughs> and Christianity is the J.K. Rowling. <laughs> she <stole> his initial. <laughs> 
Um, and the Muslims are the sorting hat. <laughs> <laughs> am I still am I still making the right so analogies? Close. So close. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I, I didn't know much about. We'll call it legend because it, again, it's hard yeah. to know whether or not some of this. It's stuff hard is to facts. call it a religion or a philosophy. Where does it sit? Yeah. Well, I don't even mean the religion itself. I mean the what's known about his life. It's mm-hmm. hard to know if all of it's fact. So um, I didn't know much about like the places he had traveled or like the life he lived or whatever. But like weirdly, the most shocking thing to me was like how uneventful his death was. Mm-hmm. Um, he like, uh, cause I guess part of the philosophy of monks is that you don't, um, for whatever reason, produce your own food or whatever you, yeah, you beg. Yeah. So that you, I guess, maintain a connection with your community and empathy with yeah. the people in the community. That and is stuff. Uh, exactly what Catholic priests are supposed to do. So the priests are supposed to live in a house paid for by the community, which is typically attached to the church. So they, they are the, the, the watchmen of the yeah. church itself. And they're supposed to live directly off of what is given to them by the community that is excluded from what it takes to maintain the church. So your community maintains your church, and then whatever's left over maintains your priest. Um, that has changed quite say, a bit, but that like... was the initial thing with the priest. It's why if you go to a Catholic church, his house is always like right well, behind the church. A lot of Church of Christ churches are like that. Like the big Church of Christ church that was in my hometown, the like head preacher of the church got a house for free. Yeah. And, like, I think it was the same house that everybody got. So, like, if you were no longer the preacher, you couldn't continue to live in that yeah. house. You had to get out, and then the next preacher got that house. But, yeah, I feel like back in the day, that probably didn't seem that odd. I feel like modern day, I'd be kind of pissed that I was having to pay for his shit. I'd be like, you're a bit of a burden. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if you really believed in his message, you wouldn't be yeah. pissed. And if he was doing the right thing with the money, you know, and that's the problem that, like, people like my mother. Yeah, the mega churches or my mom has an issue with the Catholic church because the mission is supposed to why be. You need a, why you need a private jet, bro? Well, that's not really a Catholic issue. That's more the child <laughs> molestation side of that's things. The mega churches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the um, my mom's big issue with Catholicism, which I was confirmed at 19, so I'm technically still going to heaven. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been to a Catholic service in almost 10 years. But, okay, so um, Mary's. <laughs> yeah, but my mom's big problem was like this teaching of like generosity and giving back to the community and maintaining like this very tight-knit thing. Um ignoring homelessness and then having the Vatican, which is full of gold. And mm-hmm. the Vatican does not fix all of the problems of the world, even though it definitely has the fucking resources to do it, you know? So, like, it's the same issue my mom has with the Catholic churches, what you have with the preachers and with the monks. But I think in India, I mean, they're literally sitting outside in, like, white diapers yeah, no, covered like, in powder asking for bread they don't live lavish <laughs> lives. they don't have planes they're, fucking, no. they're homeless guys they don't live lavish lives it just seems to me odd if um your mindset is a life of servitude to not apply that also to what you're giving back to like the community or mm-hmm. to nature even like they could have their own section of land where they grow their own food yeah. and be self-sustaining and it's Those serving the land yeah and 
not placing a burden on the community. But that that wasn't really where I was going with any of that. Like I was just kind of surprised because I'm sorry, my beer's hit. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was kind of surprised because they do that literally the way that he died. Like, and it seems so oddly uneventful for how eventful his life was, was that someone gave him food. He got food poisoning and then died from it. Yeah. And like at the end of his days, he was just like, you guys carry on the religion. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Have fun. I'm not trying to get crucified. Just ate a couple of bad eggs. <laughs> Turns out the Ganji, not a great place to get drinking water. <laughs> yeah. Just, like I found that interesting. Cause like the legend of his life is so big that mm-hmm. his death would be so quiet. Do you think that influenced his view or the stories that we tell now at all like maybe a hallucination state through that it's a weird kind of question but there is a a buddha the garden of a thousand buddhas is like 30 minutes from where Kristen and i are and we've gone out there a couple of times hope to go out there more especially when the weather's really nice so i can hear the flappy things um (laughs) and i'm gonna buy me a sheba um (laughs) um Like when we go into it, there's the 12 stages and they're individual statues. And then there's this like breakdown that kind of tells a story. The documentary really put a lot of those stages mm-hmm. into perspective because there's not a great explanation. And because we moved out here during COVID, the monks are not out in the garden interacting so with the public. Yeah. So I can't do a tour. They're, you know, community center hasn't been open so I can't sit in there and I don't know what you call it but you know listen to a lecture or fucking prayer meeting or something so I don't I this this was like the first breakdown of the religion itself like I found Buddhism and Hinduism through Ramdas and Alan Watts and reading their things and listening to their lectures and understanding it from a philosophical side more than a religious side mm-hmm. Do you think food poisoning is the 12th stage? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I kind of like, if that's the truth, if Buddha... That's a joke. I know. (laughs) I know. Um, I kind of like if that's the truth, if Buddha ate something that was bad and he was just older and couldn't kick the sickness and that's how he died, that Mm -hmm. they didn't try to make that a more elaborate story. Because I think with major religious figures makes them more human yeah i think Mm -hmm. with major religious figures there's often a desire to make them larger than life and um i will precede this statement by saying that i am not religious i'm not atheist but i am washington chopping down the cherry (laughs) tree or whatever yeah larger than life stories or the um dude that had the buffalo or whatever it was i can't even think of the dude that had the buffalo um yes that guy (laughs) did not have a buffalo didn't he have some kind of an ox or some kind of big animal that he was like that's the legend he rode it or something Uh, maybe um (laughs) his pictures always show him with yeah it's like an ox or some big animal his paul bunyan the sorting hat (laughs) (laughs) but anyway um i i will proceed the statement by saying i am I'm not an atheist. I am agnostic, agnostic, so I'm a bit of a skeptic in general when it comes to religion. I'm not anti-religion by any means. I think having mm-hmm. philosophies are nice, but a lot of the time when you have these larger-than-life stories, I'm like, but did that really happen, though? Yeah. And so, like, when you have, and don't at me if you're religious. When Please you have these... at us. We need somebody to at something. 
whenever <laughs> you have these big stories about Jesus being crucified and then, oh, he died mm. for your sins and he suffered and so that you could live. there was an earthquake as and... he took his last breath and yeah. then his body was removed from the cave. And... You, yeah, you have these mm-hmm. huge larger-than-life stories and it's like, did that really happen or are you just trying to make me feel guilty so I behave? Mm-hmm. You know, and so whenever you have, like, these... Like, even with the Buddha documentary, you had, like, all these kind of larger-than-life acts that he did throughout his life, and there's a part of you that wants to go, mm, did that really happen, or are we just kind of exaggerating the story? But then you get to his death, and it was just a very quiet passing of, it's my time to go now. Yeah. I've taught you guys how to have little council meetings <laughs> and agree on, you know, how... Non-violence. The, yeah, like, yeah. we'll agree on how... The philosophy is going to be amended, which I thought was admirable. It wasn't like, this is my teaching, follow my teaching or else. You know, it was like, it's fluid. You can amend it. Just have a meeting about it, you know? And Mm -hmm. he was like, I've already taught you guys how to do that. You're fine. Carry the religion on. And then he was gone. And like, I like that. It was like a quiet kind of humble passing. And I feel like it makes the religion seem more accessible where it's like, Mm -hmm. this is your religion. You can kind of review it and then kind of approach it in a way that makes sense to you versus... If you do this, <laughs> I'm going to come smite you because yeah, I hung on a cross. <laughs> angry dad in the sky. Yeah. Who, so, you know, it, it's it's all God's will unless you make the wrong decision and now you spend eternity in hell. Yeah. You know, so, I, I mean, like the karma system more than I like the heaven or hell. <laughs> like, I might come back as a grasshopper. And what if being a grasshopper is really fucking cool? <laughs> I don't like what you, you and got I... got, like, 17 eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like what you and I talked about this, the idea of... Um, do good because yeah, yeah. they're being needing to be a system of why you should behave well like i think the idea that you can um ascend or descend well not even that no um the idea that your good works can mm-hmm. kind of come back to you so like the karma that you put out is yeah. also karma for you is a nice thought because I mean, it, it does kind of encourage, let's all just be good to each other. I don't like that it's based on the idea of ascending. Because it's like, do good so you can go to nirvana. <laughs> well, I think the overall concept is... I mean, it sounds really depressing, but it's my favorite take on it. Which is, imagine that you're... It, it's it's Alan Watts. <laughs> the, the I don't have the book directly in front of me, but it's over there in my satchel. You're the it. Like, you are the god. And so you've already been the cat, the dog, the grasshopper. Like, you've already been... Yeah, but if you fuck up, you can go backwards and go back to being the cat. But you've already been that. (laughs) But you can fuck up and go backwards, though. And you might be fucking up and going backwards by being who you are now, and you're striving to be a better person. And if I die and wake up tomorrow as a cat, or if I was even born this morning, you know, like, like that kind of a thing. So I don't feel like... In the way that I approach Buddhism, which is I refer to myself as one having very little understanding of the religious doctrine, uh, much in the way that I refer to myself as a libertarian, but I'm not a member of the LP. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, I, I ascribe to the philosophy of I should treat every other human being as if they are God and if they are myself. And if I look at the world in that way, I find that I'm a more compassionate person. And I don't care what happens when I close my eyes. And if it all just goes black, if like this thing that I'm carrying around that I call a body dies, I don't feel like I'm dying. 
like I don't feel like I'm walking into this blackness or that I just cease to exist and there's nothing. It would be absurd <laughs> to assume that this lens that I've been given would disappear entirely. I think it gets put into something else um, for my own entertainment. And that's not, it can be abused by narcissists. And I think that's why we wound up with so many like, spiritual cults in the 60s and 70s with I'm acid a life coach. And shit. yeah i'm a life coach you know <laughs> i have all the answers because i'm god it's like no i'm god and i have none of the answers i'm just playing a game like i'm here right now i might not be here tomorrow you know <laughs> but i can be the best version of myself and try to make all the other gods as happy as i can make them it does make me a bit sad the like the viewpoint of nirvana um, there's an implication that this existence that's currently happening is misery. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like this is purgatory that well, we're there's, in. There's a whole like Christian sect, and I can't remember which one it is right now, that believes that this is hell. Yeah. And the same thing with the purgatory argument. This is the purgatory. Which is kind of sad to me. Like the idea that... Like, there are definitely really frustrating elements of life. Like, there are definitely days where I'm like, I don't fucking want to do it. Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like there's a lot of good and a lot of beauty and a lot of lessons to be taken away, too. And it's just kind of a sad thought that, like, there are people in the world that view this current existence as meaningless. And it's like, there's a lot you can take away, even if you're trying to ascend to something better. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. to learn here and a lot to appreciate here in the meantime. Yeah. No, there's a beautiful Christopher Titus quote where he says, you believe whatever you want to believe that stops you from stabbing me at the ATM. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a peaceful Buddhist, if you're a peaceful Muslim, if you're a peaceful Christian, and if that makes you a better person, then, you know, good on you. You know, like, I've, I've read a lot of books. I've taken in a lot of stories, and some of them have made me look at the world different and some of them have become mantras in a sense do you want me to close with a ramdas do you have a ramdas i've got a whole book well i'm called being one ready (laughs) um i i wasn't going to just because it's crazy early like it's still in his first chapter here maybe even before the first chapter be here now yeah it's introduction so it's right after the Anne Lamott one, which was beautiful. We read that in the cabin. Um, this book is about the internal journey. Who I am is awareness and deep love, a presence beyond experience within a temporal changing form. Who I am is a soul, a soul without a name, address, social security number, or biography, who isn't born and doesn't die. I am. I see this life as an incarnation, as an evolutionary progression of the soul, a journey not just in this life, but through many lives. As Westerners, we're taught to bookend our lives with birth and death. However, from my experiences with death and sitting with dying people, I find this to be a limited view. Reincarnation resonates for me because it connects my consciousness and spirit to the cycle of birth and death. It's not so much about bookends or beginnings and endings. Life and death are a continuum. (laughs) So I'm excited to read more Ramdas. I'm at the chapter he's just met 
Timothy Leary, and he's gonna do mushrooms, <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm excited. I, I'm, I I will not be doing mushrooms. But you'll be eating sushi. But I will be eating sushi with the beautiful, the effervescent, the fresh hair cut, Kristen Bloom. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys. And we will talk to you next week. You alright? Yeah. Everything okay? Huh? Huh?